0: So today we're doing a podcast from the Indiana Rural Health Association. We're excited to be in person this year in July 2021. And I've got with me now Luke Wortley from the Indiana Rural Health Association. Luke, welcome back to conference in person. How's it going for you?
1: It's going pretty good. It's my fifth annual conference. Can you believe that?
0: No, that's hard to believe. That's awesome that you've been with us that long. We didn't scare you away.
1: No, no, I keep coming back, I guess.
0: All right. Well, and Luke is our first line of defense when we get questions and emails uh, about telehealth at the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center. Luke, I know you and I had a really hard time last March and April because we couldn't hardly keep up with all the questions. What was that like for you?
1: Um, It sort of became a full-time job. I'm only penciled in for partial full-time equivalent uh, for, for grant work, but... Uh, the the increase was, I mean, on some days it seemed like over 500% of volume that would be even reasonable. <laughs> it, it was just uh, it was it was madness uh, for March most of March and uh, most of April too, even into May of 2020.
0: Yeah. So what do you remember as far as the questions? What was the most frequently asked question last year?
1: I think the, the pattern that I recognize now in hindsight was just people scrambling to adopt telehealth in its entirety, kind of like trying to th- swallow the whole thing um, and uh, really getting started from scratch. Uh, a lot of times they were asking about basic rules and regulations, a lot of reimbursement questions uh, for people who were doing it for the very first time and submitting billing for the very first time. A lot of questions about consent and documentation, really basic stuff that we kind of take for granted now that we're a year in and everybody seems to have adopted at least you know, to some capacity. But uh, back then it was it was just phone constantly ringing.
0: And so now, what, 16 months into this, what are the current questions you're getting?
1: I've noticed a little bit of a trend about people wanting to provide over really long distances, like people from California wanting to uh, provide telemedicine in one of our four states, uh, or sometimes even overseas uh, for a provider or a patient who lives in another country. So it seems like domestically everything is sort of calmed down. But now we're starting to push the limits of, you know, what can a provider do and from where can they do it?
0: Yeah, that's true. So from your perspective, do you think that the genie can be put back in the bottle?
1: No, I think most of the rules and regulations that were either lifted or modified throughout the course of the uh, first and second waves of the pandemic are pretty much here to stay. At least we're seeing that trend in our states throughout our region. Home is originating sites and all, all those sorts of things.
0: All right. Thank you so much for being with us. Anything else you want to share with our listeners?
1: Um, just to uh, be sure to check out the UMTRC conference coming up in July if this podcast airs before then.
0: Absolutely. we Will do. Thanks. All right. So next up we have Cameron Hilt. Now Cameron joined the UMTRC in the midst of the pandemic. But before, earlier today, Luke Wortley stopped by and Luke and I were reminiscing about what March and April and May looked like for the UMTRC last year at the beginning of the pandemic. So you've been our evaluation coordinator. When you look back at the year of 2020, what have you seen in the data?
2: I think some of the biggest things that I've seen in the data is when we got into the front end of the pandemic, there was lots of questions about some of the really basic uh, issues that you hear whenever you're trying to first implement a telemedicine program and so how do you implement how do you get reimbursed Um, some of those more common questions that you get that are really early on in implementing a new telehealth um, within your organization but where it's really changed over the course of this past year is that these questions now that a lot of providers have been really forced to adopt telehealth throughout the pandemic, that now these questions are just gradually growing more and more complex, more and more nuanced. And so as so many of these providers have already begun implementing these services, the questions that they're bringing to the UMTRC just require a lot more research and a lot more help. Now we're happy to be able to provide it at the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center, but it has changed dramatically over the past year because of that.
0: And we actually had the opportunity, you were able to help me with a contract we received with the University of Evansville, your (laughs) alma mater. And I've been approached by a lot of other university organizations, and I've got this theory that I think this might be the new frontier for telehealth. Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, and absolutely, as we, you know, would not surprise me as we move forward when it looks in a college curriculum that this is just going to be a staple that classes no matter what profession that you're pursuing in healthcare, that talking about the adoption of telehealth during covid is going to be something that every college and university is going to talk about um and so Really being able to see that instilled in the younger generation that they're being exposed to this earlier rather than already practicing for 10, 15 years. And now all of a sudden having to suddenly adapt to, um, using telehealth, we're going to see a lot of these younger health professionals really being trained and informed on telehealth from a much younger age and much earlier in their career to where hopefully it will be much smoother as they begin to matriculate into the workforce and really hopefully this will make adoption even smoother in the future.
0: I definitely agree. So as our listeners know, the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center is a program under the umbrella of the Indiana Rural Health Association. And that's why we're doing this podcast in the middle of the reception here at the Indiana Rural Health Association's 23rd annual conference. So this is actually your first IRHA conference What do you think about this conference?
2: Yeah, it's just amazing to see so many people that are congregated in one place that are really focused on trying to transform healthcare for rural communities here in the state of Indiana and really see the wide variety of expertise that's brought to this conference um, as well as backgrounds. It's just encouraging to see how so many different people can really come together and brainstorm, how do we really improve healthcare outcomes for the rural population here in Indiana and really see how we can begin to move the needle. Um, When you work in silos, you can only do so much, but when you can come and really work together as a unit, there's so much more that you can do throughout that. So it's been really sweet for me to actually be able to meet some of these people that I've met through Zoom calls in person, um, be able to talk to them in person and really be able to collaborate more in person as well and I'm excited to see the results of the conference afterwards.
0: Next we have with us Savannah Fox, who's participating in the Indiana Rural Health Association Fellowship Program this year. Savannah, what do you think of our conference? Oh, so far it's amazing. I've had the opportunity to network with tons of people in rural hospital systems, which is truly where my career trajectory is going to take me. So the fellowship opportunity and getting to be here at the conference has opened a door for me to continue to communicate with leaders that I hadn't already established communication with, so it's been really exciting. Great, thank you so much for sharing with us. So next we have with us Mark Vonderheit, who is currently a board member with the Indiana Rural Health in. Association, Mark, how's the conference going for you? Two,
3: uh, this Saturday conference night is night terrific. I'm so glad to be back and be a part of some an in life and in person event.
2: Now, Mark, you, you work for MHS right now, right?
0: right?
3: That is correct.
0: So, and what and has your work state life state been like throughout the pandemic? So, so
3: basically, is my food work food life has consisted food. of just basically working from home since about March 1st of 2020 to to current. Now we're fortunately we're going to be able to go back out um, if providers request a visit, but technically we'll be working from home till mid October.
0: Now, MHS is one of the, what, four, five Medicaid managed programs here in Indiana?
3: That is correct. And um, our health program covers Hoosier HealthWise, HIP, Hoosier Care Connect, and then we also offer a Medicare product and a Marketplace product.
0: Great. And what have you seen with telehealth reimbursement during the pandemic?
3: Well, I mean, so, so basically, to me, it was a underutilized resource until the pandemic, and then federal government, state government, kind of really lifted the restrictions or, or some of the uh, processes to use it, which really enabled it to be embraced. And I think is now even more accepted than it was perhaps before.
0: So here at the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center for the four states we cover, each of those four states has made almost all of their waivers from COVID permanent. What do you think our chances are of seeing permanent relaxation of some of the rules from Medicare?
3: Well, that, uh, my personal opinion would be, I hope that we would do that and continue to do that. Obviously we, with our health plans, we follow the guidelines of the state of Indiana. And, you know, all indications are that Indiana is gonna really continue to utilize telehealth services and resources for members. that reside in the state of Indiana. So I feel very positive and very good about it.
0: All right, well, thank you very much for stopping by.
3: Absolutely, thank you.
0: So next we've got with us Mike Snyder from the MEK Group, and they're doing some marketing for the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center. Mike, what has the last year been like for you guys as a marketing company?
4: Well, it's certainly been a different year, that much is for certain. Our whole uh, client base, including IRHA, took on a whole new look. Obviously people are very interested in in getting the word out about uh, the vaccines and about how to recover and uh, how to deal with now what appears to be a great solution. So uh, it's been a great year, um, a different year for sure.
0: Absolutely. Now I know, cause you send me stuff every once in a while. What have you seen in the telehealth arena during the pandemic?
4: Oh, telehealth exploded. Uh, everybody talked about how um, telehealth, it was, it was ma- moving along at uh, a very leisurely pace and getting some, some great uh, legs, as it were, in the, in the market in, in terms of being supported. And then all of a sudden COVID came along and uh, everybody was doing instant visits. The federal, as you know, the federal situation changed dramatically and uh, suddenly you could get compensated for it and these things all work. And I believe somebody said uh, telehealth advanced 10 years and 12 months. So it's an all new billion plus, multi-billion dollar market now.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, So is this your first in-person conference since the pandemic?
4: Uh, Yes, it is the first in-person conference. And it's great to see so many people vaccinated and mask-free environment because it's safe and uh, we're, we're getting back to normal. So that's just terrific to see.
0: Yeah, and, and how many times have you been to the IRHA conference?
4: Oh, I want to say this is pretty close to our 10th year, uh, as our, not counting the absence of last year, but uh, every year uh, they used to be up at in Indianapolis and they were fine up there, but I think it, the conference has really found its own here in French Lick and it meets well. It's a rural area, but it's also very nicely done in a French Lick like environment. It's perfect.
0: Thanks, Mike, for being here. with us. So next up we have Brad Dykes with Indiana University Health, better known as IU Health. Brad, thanks for coming in and talking to us today.
5: Good to be here, Becky, thank you. And um, I've been at this conference now somewhere over 30 years. And it's still one of the greatest uh, meetings in our state and I think probably in the country. And this year is a fantastic sort of renewal of getting together and an opportunity to see people face-to-face for the first time in a couple years uh, because we were not able to meet last year due to COVID. So it's it's really fun to talk to people, see them live in three dimensions instead of <laughs> on a computer screen. And uh, we're having a good time. So
0: Very good. How does this compare to past conferences here in French Lick?
5: Well, the attendance is fantastic. I I mean, I think this is a full house. I was talking uh, with Kara a little bit earlier today, I think. She said we may have over 600 people here this year. And um, I remember the years when I was on the board, and if we had a turnout like this in those years, it was uh, considered a really fantastic turnout. And uh, to me, compared to other organizations, Programs and uh, meetings, this is just fantastic. So,
0: thank you. Thank you. So, tell me about what has happened during the past 16 months or so at your hospital. Well,
5: I'll tell you about one of the experiences and one of the things that we developed with telehealth that I it's just been tremendous for not only our organization, but uh, it's a multi community thing. So Prior to the start of COVID, we had already developed a full-time 24-7 hospitalist capability at IU Health Bedford Hospital with internal medicine physicians taking care of our patients around the clock. Well, with the advent of COVID and the intensity of the demand for inpatient care, we had to ramp up our program even further and We had a sister hospital in Paoli, Indiana, which is only actually nine miles from where we're at right here today. Uh, Paoli did not have 24 7 hospitalists, so we developed a plan and uh, our system added the uh, capacity to have a nurse practitioner there 24 7, and then we set up telehealth. communication with the nurse practitioner and the patient so that our internal medicine doctors are actually taking care of inpatients in a hospital that's 25 miles away from us. And it has worked beautifully. We um, got all those doctors privileged. They actually are now on the medical staff at both facilities. I've had the opportunity to sort of observe a couple of um, telehealth sessions with inpatients in a hospital bed. The doctor in our campus is consulting with a nurse practitioner and the patient talking live about their conditions or circumstances while they're an inpatient in this other hospital and we were able to take care of a lot of patients that had COVID and other conditions. We being our hospitalists at bedford helping out the paoli hospital and the providers there manage their inpatient demand it's worked so well we've converted that to a full-time program now and our hospitalists are now routinely responsible for the inpatient care in that facility and it's a great new program for us And um, just another step in the advance and application, the use of telehealth resources in our two communities. So
0: that's an awesome story. What do you think would have been the outcome for some of those patients had telehealth not been an option?
5: Well, they would have had to have been transferred to another hospital because they clearly needed a higher level of care than was available in that community and now that those internal medicine doctors with that hospital experience and capability are there all the time we're taking care of them 24 7. so otherwise they would have to go out to either our facility uh, or to a larger organization somewhere else maybe 50 or 75 miles away
0: absolutely that's a great story thank you so much brad I'd also like to ask, I'm aware that you're getting ready to retire here at the end of the year, and there's this saying in healthcare about may you live in interesting times. Do you think this is the most interesting time that you've been through?
5: Well, it's been one of the most challenging, That's, there's no question about that. And it is quite interesting, and um, as our technologies and resources continue to advance, um, Uh, It is, uh, you know, it's amazing. It's um, kind of daunting in many ways because of the learning curve that people continue to have to go through to adapt to the new technologies whether you're a customer or a provider of the resource. Um, It's concerning uh, regarding the cost, frankly. So many of our resources are Nowadays, very expensive. And we have to acknowledge that that's part of our world. But sometimes uh, the analogy I use with some individuals uh, when they question some of this is, uh, let's assume a CAT scanner did not exist, a, a computed tomography scanner. And I started in healthcare before there was computed tomography at the average hospital. Nowadays, they're at all hospitals across the country. And in those days, if you had a belly pain that persisted, you had to have exploratory surgery and have your abdomen cut over, cut open and uh, try to find out what was going on. Uh, that resulted in the risk for infection, all the pain and aggravation of having an open surgical procedure, and then six to eight weeks of recovery time, assuming everything went as normal. Today, You can get a CAT scan, it's, uh, uh, you know, half hour to an hour procedure, and you walk out the door and you get a report from your doctor uh, for a lot of conditions uh, within hours. And as the alternative to having an open abdominal procedure, and you could just repeat that with a lot of other types of procedures, orthopedic procedures, neurologic procedures, you know, GI, just go down the list, and that's what the change in application of technology means for us today compared to the way healthcare worked 40 years ago. So that's the perspective of an old timer now in healthcare compared to uh, uh, some of the younger folks coming on board who never knew what those days were like. So. Absolutely.
0: Well, Brad, thanks for spending a couple minutes with us. Thank you very much.
5: All right. You're welcome. Thank you, Becky.
0: All right, we have now with us Travis Clapp, who is the outgoing president of the Indiana Rural Health Association Board of Directors. So Travis, how's the conference been for you this year?
6: Becky, it's been amazing. It's so good to see everyone in person and be here and just see everyone smiling and hugging and shaking hands. It's just been camaraderie, I'll be the best word that I would probably put to it, that I think everyone has just kind of been ready to get out and... Not only, was the organiz- not only was the conference a success because everyone was able to interact, but we had such strong speakers and we've had such good topics. That I think everyone has really enjoyed themselves. And it's just it's an honor to be a part of this organization.
0: Yeah. Now back, um, I don't know, maybe 15 months ago, you and I talked a lot uh, when COVID first happened about you as a physical therapist and how you could continue to help your patients when you couldn't see them in person. What was that like?
6: yes so it was it was quite the challenge for us because we have we practice in very rural settings and so telemedicine was it was a challenge for us just because there's a a bit of limited ability for a lot of our patients to be able to to even have a source of strong signal whether it be a phone signal internet signal or even lack of internet to be able to communicate with us so it was a challenge but we were able to work through that and we have clinics in indiana kentucky and illinois and so it was different challenges in each location, but fortunately, I think we, we, we found some strengths and we certainly found some weaknesses, but I think if 2020 had anything to show it as individuals and as organizations, it, it, was, it gave us the ability to find our strengths and weaknesses to be able to, to grow upon as organizations and people.
0: Now are you guys still seeing patients, and um, help me remember, what's the name of your organization?
6: It's Rehabilitation and Performance Institute. We do have a few patients that are telemedicine, but what the obstacles we're running into is we're not being paid. So we're not being reimbursed for those services, so we still do it as a service to our patients, but from a financial perspective, we're, we're not making anything on those visits.
0: Um, in Indiana, they did add physical therapists to the, I mean, it was part of the waivers early mm-hmm. on, and it's now permanent. Um, what's going on in the state of Kentucky?
6: So Kentucky's along those same lines of that it's, they, they've accepted it, but when you submit for it as a freestanding outpatient clinic versus a hospital-based clinic, we're not being reimbursed. Oh. And so there's a lot of stipulations that it's kind of like they're trying, they, they're trying to help, but they're not calculating everyone into that.
0: So there is definitely still work to be done for the reimbursement of time. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Travis, any final words as the outgoing president of the uh, Indiana Rural Health Association?
6: It's, it's been an honor, like you're not getting rid of me that easily. I'm still gonna be around, I'm not going anywhere. I just look for, I mean, every year, I started coming to RHA in 2012, it was my first attendance. I joined the board in 2013. And it's, I haven't looked back, and this organization has done nothing but grow and grow. And it's just been such an honor to be a part of this organization. And I'm really excited to see what next year has to hold.